because it is, that means, he got it, he, Kenrick's here for the double portion, I agree. I'm debating whether to kind of go into finishing the 10 tests of discipleship. Yeah, and I should do that. I always have other revelation that it's fun to teach, you know, so you just kind of go into that. But anyway, praise God. Let's just, um, I'm just going to open up in prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we love you with our whole heart, our whole soul, and our whole strength. Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit as it's there to guide us and lead us in the way in which we should go. Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is our helper, the truth, the guarantee of all the knowledge and understanding and counsel that you want to guide and direct us in our path as we learn to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the true wisdom of your love and your way and your truth and your life. Lord, I thank you for the mighty God that you are, that you have set the foundations of the earth before the times so that we are walking in what was already determined to be the first and the last. So Lord, we honor you, we exalt your name, and we give you the honor in all your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to cry. <laughs> Do you just want to cry? Because God is so good. I'm going to tell you something. If we just relax and let the word penetrate us, it's not that hard to become the word of God. We, I mean, you have to go through the trials and the tribulations, but you really have to, we were talking about this this morning, empty yourself of yourself. And, you know, when you finally just decide to do that, there is a breath that just passes you by. And all your trials and tribulations and conflicts can be over like that. Even though God is still establishing in you and where he has you to be, we can get through the things quickly if we just allow him to do the work. It was amazing. I watched two girls yesterday. One girl just really screamed out and another girl. <laughs> and the beautiful thing is the other one passed the test. You know what I mean? And the other one was getting delivered in the test. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. We have to actually be out in the marketplace and know that we're here for others' deliverances. We're here to get healed so that we can do the works that's already been set out for you to do. James already has works. You know, Kenrick has works. Carl has works. I have works. And it's already predestined. Do you know how many people miss their openings? Miss their places to go? You know, I'd like to give this testimony. It was awesome. After the, um, you, you came Friday night, didn't you too? That was good. Okay, did he speak to you, James? He did, didn't he? Okay, that's good. Well, the awesome thing is the prophetic conference was so good. And I was home and there's this gentleman who, you know, was married to this one lady that actually came to this ministry. She got saved, totally alcoholic. I mean, drinking alcohol 24-7. She came in this ministry. She got saved. She got delivered. I mean, just awesome. And she was here for a season to grow. And then, you know, God had released her out. Well, during that time, she had gotten divorced. And because her husband was seeing another person, which we are going to fall short to sin, you know, but he actually came and met with me. And I reminded him that before, I went like this with my hand, before your hands sign the divorce papers, I said, you better make sure you truly have submitted that to God. Because they didn't walk in here 
it wasn't a mistake. Although she came in, but he did not. Well, the funny part is, is um, I see him down the road and he's with his new friend and the divorce is done. And, you know, and you know me, I'm very motivating to the word. We all fall short. So he wanted to introduce me to the young lady. Well, I met the young lady and she just stared in my eyes and put her head down, just started ball crying. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing is, is I spoke all scripture to them that even though they met in sin, you have to now give it to God and see what God was doing in it. God's, he'll clean up our mess and he will forgive us and he will change the situation to turn towards him if you give it to him. But if you're going to live in the sin and not take the word that comes forth, because when I was speaking to the two of them, Rachel's, Rachel is always with me in these moments. He sends out two by two and it's amazing. They both were crying. So they were receiving the word, but then I lifted them up that they could be like David and Bathsheba you know, where he had to still take the consequence. But if they turned it towards God, God would come in and show them if they were meant to be. Show them that even out of the sin, you know, there are people that you can't judge how people meet each other and what their ultimate destiny is until they both give it to God. Well, the thing is, he was the head because we learn in here, we understand them in a marriage, the man is the lead and the woman is the helper. Well, he got divorced. And then a couple months later, what did he do? Found another person. And so this young girl was coming before my face on Sunday. So this is over, this is over, of course, how long? Over a year this has been going on. But I woke up on, I slept, I got up at seven. I read the word. I fell asleep from 10 to 12. I never take naps like that. But because of, it was such a long day on Saturday, we had a long day on Saturday. We didn't leave here till I think nine, 10 o'clock at night. Isn't that amazing? Start at 10 in the morning. And I know that's how long it was. It was good though. Everybody got prophesied over. Everybody received what they needed for the next season. And that was the purpose. We purposed this conference for that purpose. So it was interesting. I got up at noon and I kept seeing her face and I just closed my eyes. And I, you know, just asked the Holy Spirit, you know, what was he trying to show me? And I just saw her in complete pain. And, um, I, I heard the Holy Spirit say to go visit her on Sunday, that day. So I would say, well, I said now, and I heard nothing. So when you hear nothing, I don't do anything. So I went on, I kind of did some things, and then all of a sudden about 6.30, I heard go to her. And I knew where she was living. So I got in my car, went and got my McDonald's coffee. And I, took, I even stopped at the entrance. I said, can I get my coffee first? Can I get coffee McDonald's? I heard yes. So. I went to get my coffee, went down to the house, go up to the door, knock on the door, no answer. Ring the doorbell, no answer. And then I was like, okay. And I felt the peace of God so strong on my body. I felt everything orating out, but at peace at the same time. And I went like this. I had my Bible under my thing. I was like, you didn't send me here. She's gotta be here. So I walked down, I went into the backyard and she has an open garage that you can't see from the front. But I went in and she was sitting on her chair, crying, totally in suffering. Cigarette ashes everywhere, depression everywhere. And the Lord really sent me to minister to her in her weakest moment because he was showing her. She, just, she looked at me and started bawling. And the only time she ever met me was that one time on the golf court on the golf cart. And um, she just said to me, 
It figures it's you. Because <laughs> when she connects something spiritual, she said, I never had an experience like I did out in the golf cart that day. And I said, well, and so I was there to not pick up the pieces for God, but to set the right pieces in order with her. You know, and I pray to God that she comes Saturday night because, um, you know, it's hard for people who don't enter into these ministries to come just randomly like that when they're through, because she really believes that man's her husband. And so, and I just said, I can't tell you if he is or not, but I can tell you now she lost her job. She lost her boyfriend. She lost everything. And so what's happening? God is trying to sanctify her. Sometimes when we're called by God to be sanctified, if we don't do it, he'll start. If, he, if you have a mission on your life that's so strong, he'll start to do it for you. I mean, I mean he, that's, how, that's how I got in here. I didn't get in here because I was seeking a ministry. I wasn't seeking. I was already going to church on Sunday. You know, I came in here. I just remember being so just, I thought I had everything that anybody could ever want in life. But I just was so unhappy. And I remember saying in my car, just bring me to my destiny. And then a client who was renting a house from Jean, who wanted me to meet Jean, but I knew what she really, she wanted me to get her out of her lease. <laughs> I was helping her buy a house. I didn't want any part of it. And then here you go. I, I, I basically thought anybody who's friends with her, I did not want to really be friends with. You know what I mean? Because it, I, I didn't want to do the job she was going to ask me to do, you know? And, uh, but I go in there and that woman was awesome. You know what I mean? She's still called by God. That woman is an evangelist. She drew me right into my destiny. Gene knew it. When he said, our eyes locked, there was something there. He handed his card. That's it. It's been forever seven years now. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like God will put you in your destiny and you don't know why. But it really wasn't for business. It was for ministry because ministry's done out in business. Even for you, James, ministry really is out on that tractor, cutting those edges with tide, whatever you're doing with Tidewater, God got you somewhere in a place. So if he has you in your destiny and he has you set and he's stripping things and changing things and making it confusing, you have to surrender everything under the Holy Spirit to say, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you, and you got to do it all the time to get, you know, I mean, I know you do because you're growing in it and I know you do and I know Carl does, but I get excited about it because the moment you say go to this type of stuff, boom, you're going to be tested. And Gene really did muster up. He worshiped and spent time coming up with these 10 tests of discipleship. The first one was world persecution. The moment you start, you get attacked. The second one was fearless preaching. That means you don't mind going to somebody's house, going around the back, finding them suffering on a chair. You don't mind going to talk to them because I was there to not just teach her. I was also there to what? Preach to her. You know what I mean? Because sometimes when we get into those lulls, you still got to remind somebody what is right and what is wrong. But you've got to be able to teach them into that truth. And then we have fearless consecration. We talked about that. Look at what happened. This girl was the best example to talk about. Talk about God cutting off, losing her job, losing the guy she thought was her husband, losing everything because God's moving her into a very serious consecration, being set apart so you can know what you're called to do here on this earth. I mean, because I, I still remember the, the awe of just figuring out what was I, that I was really called to do something. You know, I love it when the prophet said to me, you knew when you were little that you were supposed to, I knew I was different. I didn't know there was something with God in it. You know what I mean? We know we're different. 
But we have to, and it doesn't make a difference what our job is. Everybody has something to accomplish on this earth for God. And so number, f- number four was fearless faith. Now remember, fearless faith is when something bubbles up on you and you know God's asking you to do something that seems so completely impossible to the world. And I'm gonna tell you, fearless faith, I remember when the Lord asked me to give away my large house for my payoff. I was one of those rare people that I built my own home. And so it was 1.2 million, but it only really cost me about like 900 to build it. But I put down all my savings on it and my payoff was 498. And the Lord brought this couple and said, you're gonna give them to it for the payoff. That didn't make sense to me. I had to have fearless faith. I ran in and I remember when I heard God, I went to Gene, I said, Gene, I have to give away. Now he knew my house. He's like, slow down, slow down. But he didn't have to have faith in that. I had to have faith in that. And let me tell you something, Gene being in the measure of how much he seeks God, the moment he said, now slow down, my immediate answer was, I didn't have to slow down. I said, this is God. And the moment the transaction happened, he said, I wanna meet the people. The glory of God fell. We were all weeping. I think for 48 hours, the glory of God's love was on me. And I could not, I mean, it was incredible. Gene had to take me out of the office. It was, it just, when God's love falls on you, it's gonna be for a couple reasons. One, he wants to show off to you to know that he is real. Don't you sometimes say, are you real? You ever ask, are you really real? Okay, well, there is a falling on him that if he wants to, one of my favorite experiences, to be honest with you, everybody knows Spring and Marvin? You know Spring and Marvin? James, do you know Spring and Marvin? She's pregnant, too tall. Okay, Spring and Marvin started coming in the ministry. I'll never forget when they walked in the door. I saw the biggest glow bubble surrounding them. They weren't married. And then I was like, oh, you guys married? And they were like, no. And the whole time I knew they were already supposed to be married. They were just delaying. They came in here to get, they would have never walked down that aisle if it wasn't for this ministry helping them without telling them. Well, on one Wednesday night, I taught on worship. And I had prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to reveal himself during this worship time. Well, no kidding. I mean, the glory, you felt the presence of God, but then something fell on Marvin and Spring. Spring, none of, the, oh, none of you guys were here. Um, there are some people who were here that night. Spring, the joy of the Lord could not come off that woman. I mean, she was laughing, the joy. She never, she hugged everybody in here crying. That's the, that is the love of God. When he pours upon you, because he wants you to know, I am real. Man, if you don't think he's real, or you think you question it, or sometimes you just feel like I haven't been loved in a while, you start asking him to love on you, watch how he'll start loving on you. The other experience I've had is when he falls on, is when you do something for him that he has asked you to do that is beyond what the world would ever expect, think. When I gave away that house, when I did that house, that way, let me tell you the experience. I had the the Lord fall on me, but then I actually had a visitation and taken up to heaven. I did something, when people hear the story, have they seen the house? They just go, what are you, were you crazy? Because the Lord told me he was gonna make me debt free in one year. Well, it would have been easy. I could have sold the house for a hundred grand more than what I had in it, sold it like that and had been out of debt. It's not like I had a lot of debt. I just owned a lot of property. And the Lord told me, you cannot own anything, but you'll own everything. And he said, there's a purpose to that. 
there's part, so I don't own anything. I only own the business next door. And even that, I, take, I don't take anything out of it. It takes care of my car is owned by the company. I'm not a lot, there's nothing in my name. I have nothing except for the part ownership over there. But you know what I'm saying? Like I own 20 properties, I own none now. You know what I mean? Because Lord said it had to all go. But the moment I did something where I gave up all my savings like that, I mean, the fear of God and not doing it was, was, was even greater. But then the fact that when I did it and then I got the visitation up and I was swooped up into heaven and I, I can't begin to tell you and from that point, the moment I signed those papers and it was done and there's more miracles on that. Miracles like I can't, I could write a book just on that one experience. And then all of a sudden, he cleared my whole life in one year. Impossible what he did. And I had to go with the flow of it. And by the time I was getting to the tail end, I was like, oh my God, you're doing this. Like it, would, it was things he did beyond my understanding. All right, and people witnessed it. Carrie witnessed the tail end. Gene witnessed the whole thing. And I'm not saying, I'm not telling about it to be like, hey, this is what my life was like. I'm trying to help you increase your faith in that if you worship God, because I got all my instruction in the third heaven, and he tells you what to do or asks you a question. Oh, God will ask you a question when you're in worship. When your heart is broken and God is doing something, which my heart was broken because of relationship God definitely took away from me. And I was very broken about it. And I built the house that I was living in for this person. I didn't build it for myself. I, I tried to give this person their dream. And I heard the Lord say in my worship, do you want this house? The Lord cared. I was like really surprised. God cares enough to ask us for his very best. He said, do you want this house? And I just cried and something came out of my spirit and I was like, no, I don't want it. You know, so the real answer came out, not my head. The spirit pushed me to say I didn't want it. And then I was crying so hard, I heard, all right, you built it out of love. God redeemed me because he knew my heart was right for the person that I was doing it for. But he said, now you're gonna have to give it away in my love. And then boom, that's it. I didn't think anything twice about it. Then I get a prophet, Dean Sykes, calls two months later, early in the morning at seven o'clock. And he says, hey, I just wanna let you know, you're gonna have to sow a really large seed in the kingdom. Now, being my first brain, my soul kicked in and said, is this one of these televangelists? I didn't know him very well. Is, is he just tell, is he asking me for money? You know what I mean? Because when people know you have money, trust me, they, can't, they come and ask you for it. So I was kept thinking, he thinks I'm gonna sow a large seed into his ministry. That's what my brain thought. So I just took it in and then here, a couple weeks later, the people come. And they asked me to show him property. And he told me I had a dream. And in that dream, he said, you were handing me keys. And he goes, so I think you're our realtor. And I was like, okay, I think I am your realtor. That's cool. And he goes, and we know the house. They didn't know about my house. They're like, it's on Southbridge Boulevard. It's this, it's listed for 900. God said we would get a million dollar house for half a million dollars. And they were believing. Now, you know how many people say stuff? God told me to believe for this. God told me to believe for this. I got in my car. I heard the voice of the Lord so clear. I swear it was audible. <laughs> I mean, I know we hear it in the inner ear. 
But I get in my car and I heard, now show them your house. That's, I was like, my house isn't for sale. <laughs> now keep in mind, God asked me months ago, we don't remember what we talk with God some days. We don't remember. And I was just like, it's not for sale. I said it out loud because that's how much I thought the person was on that. And then I heard nothing. I am pushing. I'm, I'm like, hey, you pastor, they're pastors. I said, I am with you. I'm gonna help you buy that house on Southbridge Boulevard for get you for it. If God says it, I believe it, I'm behind you, right? The whole time God's working my faith. A fearless faith is building, it's building, it's building. And then I laugh because we weren't getting the deal. The people laughed in our face. They weren't gonna give their million dollar house for half a million dollars. And so he even writes a letter to the owner saying, hey, we're good people, give it to us, right? So it was crazy. And then all of a sudden I heard it again. Now show them your house. My house is not even for, I mean, it's so crazy. The best thing about God is all of a sudden when he called me, he goes, Lee, I know you're a realtor. We heard God, we prayed and we saw your face. When we saw you, we knew you were a realtor. See how God was aligning it up? But I still had to pass the test and give away the house. Man, when I said show up, it hit me one morning. I'm like, oh my God, this is the seed I have to sow. I have to sow this 400,000, my, all my savings. And I was like, but then the faith starts building. The faith starts building. And I started, I was like, hey, if the word says, those who follow me, if the, rich, if the rich man will give up everything and follow me, he has everything taken care of. I started believing the scripture. I started believing it, applying it, speaking it, thinking about it. And then, oh my God, this faith started building up. So when I called him, I said, meet me at 53 Crestwood Drive. God even gave me a movie to watch. He said, I heard it one morning, go get Sound of Music. And I was watching the music and little Maria, as she's skipping down, you all know the Sound of Music? And she goes to the mansion. Guess what the address was on the mansion? 53. <laughs> I almost died. It was like, it was so loud. But you wouldn't even notice that part of the movie. But it was so loud to me. See, God illuminates your movements. And then I just knew it. They came to my house. They, and it was also crazy. A realtor called me. Herschel Walker was moving to Savannah. And she, he drove by my house and said that he really liked that house. And his, his sister came and viewed my house. They just called me out of the blue. Isn't that crazy? Like, you know what I mean? I didn't push it because it wasn't for sale, but he wanted it because he liked the way it looked. Isn't that crazy? Like, it's so silly. I remember just thinking weird things started happening the moment I agreed with God to let go of that house. So anyway, the beautiful thing of the story is we get a fear, we get a faith that rises up that even if you think you have nothing, that faith is more treasure to you than whatever thing you think you're holding on to. I am telling you that faith is so great. It says God will open up the heavens if you will move and do what he has asked you to do from the third heaven, not what you conjure up in your soul. That's what the, I feel, that's what people don't understand. You actually have to have a relationship with God, worship him, and I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna experience prosecution. You're going to want to talk about your experience. You actually wanna start preaching and teaching. You have to be consecrated. I was so consecrated that time. God cut off my relationship. God just, everything, he had it right in line. And then a faith that was fearless. I didn't worry about paying bills. I didn't worry about anything. I just kept moving. 
And it, it was so amazing how once that transaction closed, the flow that came back to me. It's even hard to explain because, man, when I tell it, it's like the Lord sometimes has me tell that testimony to certain very wealthy people. You should see their faces. You've seen Carrie Smith when he saw the house. Carrie knew the pastor. Carrie had been in the house. He goes, that was your house? I said, yeah. He's like, I, he gives that testimony all the time. He goes, I can't believe you did that. He's like, I would have told you you're stupid. I said, yeah, pretty much everybody did tell me. I was, even my attorney told me, what are you doing? You're not upside down in that house, blah, 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 blah. But I want you to think about it. The most awesome love and kindness that we can do as we walk this earth is hear God. Hear his voice right from heaven and be called to do what he asked us to do. The moment those people bought my house, that house became a place where people were getting saved, saved, saved. It overwhelms me when I go visit them. They still talk to me. They opened up the Southbridge Community Church. Everything started out of that house. They even saved one of the owners of Club One, came to that house, and when they give the testimony, he said, Lee, every time we give the testimony, how God showed us a realtor, how they tell their side of it. They said God comes in the room every time, and it makes a person break. Because people will be like, well, God gave this to you? When they tell it, they're like, God gave this to you? And you know what the most amazing thing is? Is He had a dream where he hand, I handed him keys. He handed me gold. A hundred, and he gave me $100,000 of, $100, of gold. He followed his vision. And he said, put this down as my deposit on the house. The moment, and we closed in a week. I had to move out of 5,500 square foot house in one week. I mean, it was just crazy. Everything, do you know when you are living a life that's higher than what the average people are that you're around and God asks you to let something go, do you know he is cleaning it out? I had to, in my sin, I had to turn around and say, the Lord showed me what furniture to give away, everything to do, and it got handed over to the righteous. <laughs> I say that kind of in fun. There was an atonement that had atonement. I didn't even, I just kept going with the instruction, not understanding anything I was doing. The more I become matured in the word, I am overwhelmed. See, he loves our innocence. He loves us to not have to always find it. Everything that happened to me is in this Bible. It, I mean, when Jean taught the, the atonement lesson about how when you're not seeking God and you're moving on and when God asks you to redeem something, there is like an atonement tithe for time lost. Man, that was my house. That was an atonement tithe. It was awesome. It was given into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. And you know how many people have told these people? They were stupid. I even had a realtor told me, they're not going to buy anything. They think God is going to give them a house for this much. You know, I was like, oh my God, I'm the one who's got to do it. You know, but you got to, I mean, you have to think like that. You have to walk out every day. And now I get what God was showing me. You can't own anything because you'll own everything. The power of God in the belief of this word and him building a faith it becomes a bold confession to Christ. Man, now the confession's got to go out whenever it has to go out. Our testimonies as we, as we follow are gonna be tested. Are you gonna give him the glory? Because he's done so much for me now since then. It's his glory, it isn't my glory. When you think about it, it doesn't make sense. All he asks us to do is say what? Yes. yes. But we already set ourselves up by calling out to him 
and saying, I need you. Help me become more like you. Help me to learn more about you. Well, he's going to do it through experience. He is not gonna do it through, oh, let me see what Carl wants it all cooked up and baked up and icinged up. And I'm gonna give it to Carl because I love Carl. God loves all of us. But if we wanna experience the abundant life of Christ on earth here now, he's gonna ask you, it does, it, he is gonna remove rebellion. He's going to remove greed. He's going to remove man-pleasing. He's going to remove all these things and bless you every time you get broken like bread. It's amazing how we, we do communion. And it's amazing how when Jesus, what, Carl, you're going to love this. I know you probably know part of this, but you don't know that on the other half. Jesus, a little boy, had five loaves of barley loaves, right? And two fish. And Jesus took the barley loaf and he blessed it and he broke it. And then he placed it down. And then he distributed it to his disciples. Jesus didn't even do it. He still had to hand the instruction out to his what? Disciples. Then the bread, the five loaves and the two fish multiplied to feed 5,000. Get this, ready? Jesus is, dies, Jesus, Jesus is resurrected. He comes back and visits the disciples. I, Carl, I just got this yesterday. He came back to visit the disciples. Breakfast at the sea. Yeah. Do you know he revealed himself to five of the disciples he actually named? And then he said two others. Five loaves, two fish. Wow. Multiplied the resurrection. And get this, the five he named... It's not all the disciples you think, but they're like the bread that was broken so that they could see the revelation of God. Man, I got this yesterday morning. I haven't even, and then I, that's why I, I knew not to go into it on Wednesday. But when I, and you know what made me seek this? I wasn't even seeking this. And then God revealed it to me is when that man said to me that, um, I was an Israelite indeed, that there is no guile. Were you here on, were you, did you guys hear that? The one man said to me that I was an Israelite indeed. Well, I looked up that verse and that verse is what they said to Nathaniel. So I was just looking up verses to get to know more about Nathaniel. And I fell on Nathaniel, who's only mentioned once in the Bible, was when Philip brought him to Jesus and said that he was an Israelite indeed, there was no guile. And then the next time you hear Nathaniel's name is he was one of the ones that witnessed Jesus, the breakfast at the sea. Already went up to heaven, came back to give a revelation of himself to them. You didn't hear about Nathaniel any other time. They think his name was Bartholomew in the other chapters, but there really wasn't much said about him. But he was one of the ones chosen to see the revelation of Jesus. But I thought it was interesting that it was five names and then it said two others. What I'm trying to say is, when we get the revelation in the depths of the broken bread that represents his body, and we as disciples have to be broken bread, and we have to be without leaven. I'm telling you, why did flatbed become so popular? <laughs> because we can't have all the fluff of the world. We actually have to become 
so to 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 discern the body and to remember that there is nobody's going to go the same way unless they go as Christ did we just don't get physically beaten to death it's a soul redoing if we get the word in the soul all the powers there for Jesus to reveal himself to us for our next move now when we start off innocent like I have to say the experience I that year I was really innocent I didn't know the word of God very well. I was growing in it. I just know he said, you can own nothing, but you'll own everything. And then he kept asking me everything to give up. Give up your jewelry, give up this, give up that. I felt like I was just getting stripped down to nothing. You know what I mean? And I kept thinking, is this really what? God. And then God always gives you encouragement if you're stepping it out. I got pulled over. This is my encouragement. I get pulled over. I pull over and the guy goes, I said, what did I do wrong? I don't think I was speeding. And he said, you crossed over the fog line. I was like, the fog line? I was like, all right. He said, but I'm gonna give you a warning. You have crossed the fog line. He was so serious. I go on my desk. Somebody puts on my desk a card, a little card. It said fog, favor of God. (laughs) (laughs) I stapled that card. No kidding, I didn't know who gave it to me. I was like, I said to Gene, do you know who gave this to me? He goes, yeah, I, I put it on your desk yesterday. <gasps> I said, Gene, like, I just got a ticket for the crossing the fog line. Get it? Yeah. Crossing the favor. I mean, I'm going to tell you, like, if I had to sit down and write, uh, write a testimony, it broke me. I was like this. Oh, I could feel God. What was God doing to me along the whole way? He was breaking my body. How do you, I mean, come on. When I gave the testimony up here, when Chris gave me the $10, what happened to me? I, oh, everybody could feel it. Everybody broke. God, when God breaks somebody, everybody, it, it, you, you, you feel it because God has to keep breaking us. I'm still having to be what? Broken. Every level, we can never get where we want to be fluffy white bread. Do you know what I mean? We can't get there. We need to stay flatbed. Flatbread breaks easier. Makes easier. We had to be less of the leaven of the world and more of in remembrance of him and understanding him so he can reveal himself to you. And that's where I had the, I mean, after I sold the house, I, I'm telling you one morning, he lifted me up in heaven. It was beautiful. I saw the most beautiful things. And he wrapped me, I was wrapped in a gold, in a golden wrap. And he took me, and then I remembered being dropped right back into earth. And I was just like, oh, I could stay there, you know, that, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was the strongest moment I ever had, but it was after I closed on that house. I wasn't even full on my experiences, but when you do something for God that is beyond just, when you do something for God that is beyond yourself, I'm gonna tell you right now, he's doing it so you can have a bold confession for him. He's doing it so you can experience these tests. These tests, Every time you get over one of these tests, you know what he's doing? He's advancing you so you can advance others. My experiences are not limited to me. They are limited to everybody who is willing. The the power of worship and prayer and seeking him was so overwhelming because God had to have me in such an intense focus to catch up. When I walked in here, a lady came up. Oh my God, you are going to accelerate. That was what some lady said to me because I was already behind. 
I want you to think about it. God was calling me in the early 2000s. I didn't take it. Instead, I took a guy. I took on another relationship. And I didn't let God, I knew I felt the pulling. I felt a pulling. I didn't know what it was. And then, bing, bing, cute little eyes come into the office. I'm in love. That's it. I'm not, I am even thanking God for the man, right? But let me tell you, God, the enemy will send to keep you off stray to what God knew. So I, my experience was so accelerated because I was already what? Behind. So just like Marvin and Spring, when they came in here, they came in here, they were already what? Behind. They were already supposed to be married. That's what they were behind at. They were already supposed to be married so God could start doing what he was already called to do with them, which when you have a child, God called that child into the earth. And that's an assignment. When I had Rachel, I, she was called into the earth. That was my assignment. Now she's grown up. Now, and she has grown up. Now it's ready for me to move on to my next assignment. God has it all lined up for you. And he can catch you up. As, as far as behind you think you are, he can catch you up as long as you're willing to really give him that focus. The last things on the list, six, seven, eight, and nine, and 10, is family persecution. And if you can go ahead, you have those verses. Family persecution. You are so good. Did you do this? When did you do this? Family persecution. When there's a verse that I stuck to as I was going through all my growth, and it says those who leave father, mother, um, I love it because it never says a woman should leave. There's never husband in that. It says wife, though. <laughs> it says a man who leaves. <laughs> it does. Oh, trust me, I've noticed that. I was like, bing, bing, bing. Why is there no husband? Because women are not supposed to leave their husbands. We are not. We actually have an assignment with the man that we're, with the man you're engaged with and that you're supposed to be with. There is an assignment on that. But you're, so you're supposed to, it's awesome. Women and men are equal in God. We can ev even do the same things as men, except for we have to lead together in the different unique ways we were skilled to lead. A woman was never meant to overtake. Hey, in Jeremiah, it talks in chapter 40. You know, let's move out of the queen of heaven. Because in the, in the graven images, they look to fertility gods and they're, all their names are women. And we got to move out of that because it wasn't the God's order. He put a woman and man to lead together. Not for a man to overtake him, not for her to, you know what I mean, lead him. They do it what? Together. They have to learn to work as good as Jesus and the Father worked. And there's power in that. But a woman has to respect that. It says, do not think I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have not come to bring peace. Man, that overwhelmed me when I read that. God didn't come to bring us peace in our family life. And in the things he says, but a sword. A sword is the word of God. God came to bring the word to pierce our spirit so our soul could be broken, so it could multiply, all right? The brokenness is for the multiplication and the brokenness after broken, it's gotta be what? Passed out. It is so powerful. It says, for I have come to part asunder a man from his what? Father. A man from a daughter, from her what? Mother, and a newly married wife from her mother-in-law, and a man's foes will be they of his own household. That means that once you let that sword enter in, the truth of seeking what you're to be, 
you better expect that whole list to get onto you. Your father, your daughters, your mother-in-laws, if you're, your wife. This is where I think it's so important. If men can capture and allow themselves to be broken and raised up in Christ, they're all going to follow along. That's a crazy thing. But if they gain the control, then uh, it's a battle. They're going to be your worst person, your family. And I know, James, you've experienced that a little bit. You know, when you're starting to get to where you're going, then the, the person that's assigned to him, right? You know, but you actually have the authority that if you keep doing it, he's going to turn all the right people to stay right with you. He will turn those people. But family, we watch it in here all the time. Praise God, I didn't really raise up with a lot of family. I have to say that's the one thing that I have been blessed. And this, I didn't, I didn't have a family that, you know, we, there was a family, but once you were 18, that's it. There was no more family. So I know of my sisters and brothers, I don't intermingle with them. Do you get what I'm saying? So it, that part was easier. It's why God called me to do this. I didn't have the million phones, people telling me what to do, feeling like I owe somebody something. You know what I'm saying? So the Lord really, but he said, if a man's foes will be, they of his own household. So we have to be prepared that that is something that's going to come up. We go through world persecution from people we work with, but then when it comes from your family, oh, that's overwhelming, especially for men. Because a man needs, it says in the word, I have become such a respecter of the place of a man. I mean, the guys know that in here. A man needs honor and respect. Now, if it's the woman designed by God to be with them, she's already going to want to do it. But at the same time, she's going to have to deal with what's in her. So if you recognize that you have the authority as the husband to keep it, the more you keep loving her, you are casting demons out. Love conquers all. Love casts out fear. So a demon is just a, something full of what? Fear. That's all a demon is. He fears God because he knows there's the real authority. So all it can do is go run and jump in other people and cause disturbance for those who know and understand the order of authority. When we understand the order of authority, it is awesome. Things will change. So that is family persecution. That is go to verse, go to um, verses 19:29, Matthew 19:29, and it says, "And anyone and everyone who has, and this is this is the one I really stood on, with moving my house and everything, who has left houses, or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or what." Lands. Lands are false other thoughts that you have created in your own mind. Other lands, for my name's sake, will receive many, even a hundred times more, and will inherit eternal life. That means he says, okay, so I wasn't to worry about when I gave up my house and I gave up that $400,000. Do you know what I mean? I was happy to just take 100000 back on that and take a loss of three. But I gave it all because he asked me to, not because I think I was being a good Samaritan, there was a fearless, I fear God at that time. I feared what I didn't understand. I, and this faith, it was a supernatural faith from the presence of God that you just go and you don't, I mean, and, it, and that, don't get me wrong, there were other things that kept trying to get me not to do it. I mean, amazing, a lien on the house came up, all this stuff all got wiped 
like in seconds. All I had to do was ask, surrender myself. On the day of closing, they call me and say, there's a, there's a lien of $23,000 on that house. I was like, hey, I just sold this for nothing. <laughs> I was like, you've got to tell me. He said, do you own Irish Twins, a company? Yeah, with my sister. And he goes, well, there's taxes not paid on the, we own shoe stores. She did it. I just invested and had my name on it. But they still leaned what? On my house. I called my sister. Hey, I, hey, what's up? And she's like, it's down to 7,000. I said, well, for me to close on the house, I got to pay 23. They don't, they don't wait. They make you apply for an application. Then they'll let you know in 45 days where the lien really is. I knew I had to close on this house because the people had a lock. Well, I'm moving out and I asked the Holy Spirit. They're ready to move in. I said, look, we're not able to close today, but I'm gonna let you move in. I'm out, you're in, you can have the keys. I said, cause we'll close on Monday. I just said it. I didn't know it was gonna happen on Monday. I move into, I mean, I didn't suffer. I owned a house around the block that was 3,500 square foot. <laughs> it was really worth $500,000. But I sold that in 30 days after that. It was crazy. You had to sell that yeah, well, Lord said sell everything. So it wasn't a choice. It sold in 30 days after I moved into it. It was crazy. I got full price, 495,000. I sold that house for more than what I sold my big house for. Crazy, but it's God. Because once I moved in, I worshiped and I asked God. It says, if you will ask, I will what? Answer. And I said, okay, you told me to give away the house for the payoff. You knew there was a lien on it. So what, what, what do I do? And I am worshiping, worshiping. I'm happy about it. I'm not really stressed. All I heard was, Joe. I was like, Joe, I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. I'm like, Lord, help me. Joe. That is, I am no kidding, right? I am like, who is Joe? So I go, I go to work. I come here to work. I pull up the computer. I have an email from my bank that I have the house note in. And he wrote me an email. Hey, I heard this didn't close on Friday. Are you closing? If not, you owe your mortgage payment of this much money. I wrote, and then I looked down and all I saw was what? Joe. I was like, what banker emails you on a Friday saying, are you selling the home? And the only reason that we had correspondence from before is because the man gave me $100,000 in cash. And I put it down on my note. I didn't want to hold 100 grand. So I put it immediately, but I never looked at the guy's name. I see Joe. I write him back. Joe, I put in big letters, J, like I heard it. Joe, I put it in bold letters. I said, um, yes, my goal is still to close on it. Found out there's a lien. All I heard was telling the truth. Found out there's a lien, don't know what to do about it, but I will send the mortgage payment in. I will wire it on Monday, blah, 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 blah. I put Lee. I go home, I'm just unpacking, doing whatever, relaxing in God, get up and worship the next morning, come in here to check my emails because I didn't have internet at the house yet, the new house. I come in here, guess who writes me back? Joe on Sunday, come on. What banker writes you on Friday at the end of the day? You read on Saturday, you email him, he writes you back on Sunday. He wrote me back on Sunday. Hey, call me. James, bankers don't tell you to call them <laughs> in this type of case. And I'm thinking, I have been a realtor for a long time and I'm experiencing something I have never experienced. I sit at the desk, I dial it up, I'm like, hey Joe. And he's like, this is Lee. And he's like, hey, um, here's the thing. I didn't want to write this out. He said, your mortgage was with Taylor Bean and Whitaker. You'll get this. 
And he said, and they went bankrupt, we bought your note out, which I do remember that. That was like three years prior to that. And he said, but we bought it out for 70,000 less than what you owed on it. So if I, my payoff was 498,000, my mortgage company went out of business, then other mortgage companies come and buy the notes. Do you understand what I'm saying? They buy the notes. Ameris Bank bought the note for 70,000 less than what I had on the thing. He said, to be honest with you, we want you to close. I said, why? And he goes, because even if I give you $23,000, my bank still makes 50,000. I was like, he's like, so. And then this is how I knew it was God. God had told me very, when I first came here, I was barely even up in the Bible. I heard it, it bubbled out of my spirit. When you get near people of God, your gifts will start to work. I heard I would have to come to zero. I heard that. It was very clear. It came out in my own speech that where God was taking me, I had to come to zero. His words were to me on the phone. Look, we'll give you the 23. We'll pay off the lien. Just make sure your HUD statement says zero. Wow. I cannot even tell you, Carl, the flood now was coming to me. The flood was coming to me. I went, I called my attorney who has known me my whole real estate career was like, I can't, and I'm, I'm on Monday doing what? Signing the papers. I didn't alarm the people buying the house. I just called the shots, just like a football game, moved it along, touchdown. Then I am sitting at home, so relaxed, just happy because I love the home I still moved into. I was not suffering. I just want you to know, I was not suffering. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I gave away savings, but I still was living in a nice house, right? And then all of a sudden a realtor calls me. I took that house, I built it. It was a new construction that I funded. I took it off the market because now I'm living there, right? She called me and she goes, these people have to have this house. I was like, oh my God. I said, look, I had it listed for 480,000. And I said, look, here's the bottom line. I just moved in. I'm not selling it less for 495. And I was like, I'm not gonna get an appraisal for 495. She's like, they'll take it. They come see the house, write me a full price offer, 495. And I was so worried about the appraisal. Sold, done, everything, chop, chop, chop. Now I'm moving again. Now I'm gonna tell you when God, when you're really ready to let God work your, to let God work your life, hold on. <laughs> because he's doing it not to give me great stories to say, praise God, I heard God and I did what God said. He is doing it so he can get you broken. You don't think I still cried through all that stuff? I mean, the brokenness of going from one house and going from the other, not understanding, but at the same time, building his presence, his throne in my heart. Ugh, I can't even begin to tell you. The persecution, people telling you you're stupid, it, it comes. But he says, anyone who has ever had to what? Leave a house, leave a brother, leave a person, leave a mother, a child for his name's sake will receive many, even 100 times more, and will inherit eternal life. Man, I was more concerned about my eternal life because when I read Matthew 6, 24 through 33, and it says, I'm not to worry about what I eat, where I go, what I wear, because he says, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna take care of that. He said, do not have anxiety and worry about anything because I already have it covered. How many of us worry about paying bills? 
How much of us worry about what we see other people have and we don't have that? Do you get where I'm going on this? He wants us not to worry about it. He wants us to worry about getting where? Broken, so he can multiply, I like this, uh, even up to what? A hundred times. Man, when you start getting persecuted, hold back. Something, God is trying to break you in something. Have the bread broken because the ones who were broken saw God. Those, those are the ones, it says, they will see the kingdom of God. They will see God. It's so strong that it's just, it's putting, number seven says, putting God first. That's all he wants. And you know what? We don't all do it perfect every day because we're still human beings. But if we can gradually grow and get that heart for God, he said, if you put me first, Matthew 10, 37, says, he who loves and takes more pleasure in the father or, the, or a mother more than in me is not worthy of me. And he who loves and takes more pleasure in a son or a daughter more than in me is not worthy of me. Isn't that awesome? So it, there's a time where you boys have to move away from your mothers and your dads. You can love them but they can't teach you anymore. Only God can teach you. He's got to be number one. And then, okay, I love this. So now your children, sons and daughters, you can't love them. You know, Rachel, it kills her. She wants me to love her more than God. <laughs> she already knows I'm not gonna love her more than God, but I'm gonna love her. But she already knows that's where he says, you truly have to be broken. When you give up something, you what? Break. When you give up something you love, you what? break. When God asks you to work something towards something, like what he's asking you to do, you keep working towards it. But you got to shut off everything else. Here, he doesn't say, it doesn't say in here about a wife. I don't think the next verse says it. Go to 2237, putting God first, 2237. It says, and he replied to him, you shall what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Man, that intellect to even reason with God, why you're doing it, who you're doing it for, what's the purpose. He doesn't want you to ask. He just wants you to walk it out with him. You know, I don't even like to tell people, I know that there, there is those miracle moments. You can't miss it, you know, when you're in it. But God is so good to us when we think we're missing it. There is something that starts to rise in you that you just know you know you know you can't do it. You can't not not do it. Have you had that experience where you knew, I can't not do this anymore. I felt like, Kenrick, that's what you went through when you came in this ministry. I can't not go by this ministry anymore. God came by. God pulled me in. It was. He sent the team out right in a place. It's weird how we met Mother Hines. She comes in here on a sonship night. Isn't that crazy? She comes in here on a sonship. The message was so powerful. She was shaking. You know what I mean? And she just kept shaking. And I was like, all right, there's something about this woman here. You know what I mean? And then connected just for Kenrick, just to get Kenrick in a place. Do you, I mean, it's for other people too, but Kenrick, you really are. You and Debbie were the residue. We're the main people that have stuck and kept trying to grow through here. So it's when we put God for somewhere, you were putting God first, somewhere Debbie was put. When God puts you first, he puts you then into a drastic move in your life. That's why I'm so proud about Carl. Carl and Mamie, 
in the normal world, they would already be divorced and they would already be depressed and they would already be. But when God said to Carl, it doesn't make a difference what Mamie has done. I'm going to make her your wife. And he said, and then he asked, he asked you, didn't he, Carl? Will you do it? And Carl said in the worst hour, okay, I'll do it. But the whole time, Carl's soul's raging and he's like, I don't want to do it. I'm serious. We watched Carl go through it. Carl's miracles haven't all come back to him from that action of him keeping Mamie and those kids. Do you know what I mean? So I want you to think about what you're doing with your wife. That, James, you just have to keep putting God first. And he has got, her whole change is going to be because you were willing to go beyond what was just and you were willing to go beyond what the world could see. That's where the miracles really are. That's where the changes are. That's where when you can go beyond something, there is nothing. We live in a world of sowing and reaping and they've got that prostituted. Sowing and reaping is sowing in the spirit. And when the spirit gives you instruction, then you're sowing it out into the first. It's a horizontal, then it goes to a, a vertical out. And when you do that, did I get it right? Horizontal, vertical. When you get that, be prepared for the flood. It's like a tsunami building up. It's a tsunami, and you're really just riding the wave. You're riding the wave, and while you're riding the wave, he is washing, he is washing everything that's not a God out of you while you're riding that wave. That's where Carl is right now. Carl and Mamie are riding a wave of a tsunami they haven't felt yet. And so they're just going along, and they feel the little attacks, just go along, but everyone gets better, doesn't it? So when that tsunami hits, they're gonna be overwhelmed because they did something beyond what the world would have done. They've done something beyond. God's gonna take them on an amazing ride. And I want that for everybody in this ministry because when you get that ride, you are so bold for Christ that your, your, your testimony set. I know I'm anointed and, and to help people get out of debt because of what he did for me. It's interesting when I start telling the testimonies and people start saying, she's crazy. And they, there will be people that will, that, that will move on and you're supposed to just shake your you just keep loving, but you can't keep chasing. God already, he comes by. All right. What time is it? Great. And we're going to end right there. Putting God first is so important. And we'll end this next week with bearing the cross, following Christ, and denying self. Because those are the places and the things that we have to go. So isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? The Lord was really showing me that... Um, I'm just going to read this, something I wrote in my Bible. It is cute. I write these little things as they come, and it is cute. And then later I start reading it and breaking it down. It says, every ability or possession is valued in proportion to its usefulness. Every ability, so we have gifts and abilities, or possession, that means things that we own, is valued in proportion to its usefulness. The word value means talent. The word value means gift. Our gifts that God gives us are possessions and come irrevocably from him. Our talents are weights. Our ta another definition for talent is not just your skill, it's a weight. A talent is a weight. So the weight in which you are able any ability or possession that you are able to put out in usefulness in its proportion. That means you actually use that little mustard seed and you use it in proportion greater than what it is. Oh my gosh. 
That is the glory of God. That is the power of God. That is the movement of God. That's all he's trying to do is get our soul out of our thinking and get us into God thinking and don't question. Reason with God, but don't question it to other people and let him bring the miracle. Miracles are what we should think are natural by God because we're willing to lay our life down for him and put him first. But it takes time. He grows us in this by little. I mean, we, he gives us, he is so good to us. He gives us little miracles all the time. Little miracles that we just pass by. Just breathing is a miracle. But he actually wants to give you a different kind of miracle, a different type of experience. But he, he cannot give us anything without passing the tests. He's not going to give you anything that's full sorrow. You have to pass the test. There's always, even before, you could be living on this earth and you could be on that bottom row and you're still going to have a what? A test to pass. You know what I mean? And in that, Every time you pass a test, he gives you a desire of your heart. It was my desire to see something in heaven. So I'm not saying that everybody's going to go up and see what I saw, but I know I, I wanted to. That was kind of a desire. We have desires that when we talk to God, he hears them. And then they come. But then there's times you don't feel like they're coming. You know what I mean? You just, you, you just feel like you're working it, working it, working it. But you have to keep what? Pressing. You have to keep growing. And he, he's always there. I loved it. Part of my prophecy was reminding me. He still remembers everything he's, you know, got for me, but it's not going to be everything that I think. You, get, you know what I'm saying? It isn't going to be everything that you think. So you have to really kind of just be open to what God is doing. But praise God. Was that good, James? Was that good? It's a nice little summary. Hey, real estate worship was good too, but we didn't record it, but it turned out. It was awesome for Francis. Wasn't that awesome? It was awesome to see her receive that just word of knowledge that went out for her. She must have been praying to God, asking for something about her daughter and son, because that was really strong. It was, I know you could feel it. We all felt it. Mamie's crying and Francis is crying. So I think it made Francis, she was happier a lot of the day today. It was really good. She's a good mom. All right. So we're just going to thank the Lord. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you and we just honor you and we just give you the glory. Because within your power and your kingdom, is when you will reveal the glory to us. Lord, help us to open our eyes so that we can see the revealed, resurrected Christ in our life and help us to hear the instruction and to keep walking towards it. Lord, I thank you for the breaking of the bread, for the remembrance of the body, and for reminding us that in our brokenness is when you're doing the most awesome, valuable, in proportion movement that no scientist can figure out. So, Lord, I thank you for the wonders and the signs and the miracles as you bestow them in our lives as we seek you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.